Hello, this is Glenda Taylor. Welcome to the One and All Wisdom podcast. Words matter. We're hearing that over and over these days. So in preparing for this podcast, I've been considering what words would be adequate for me to express all that's bubbling up in me during this time in our national and global experience. Truthfully, lately I've been sitting quietly a lot without words in contemplation, giving silent, prayerful attention to the crossing of so many persons during this pandemic, as well as praying for their grieving relatives. I've also held in my heart those who are still struggling with the virus and those who are suffering economically. And of course, there's the situation in our country right now, the tragic divisions that have erupted in violent disorder. It has seemed to me that as an elder, for me to be still and focused in this prayerful way is more important than any words I could say. So I've been mostly quiet. But now it's past time for another podcast. And I've been thinking, as I said, about how words matter for better or worse. I'm a word person, of course, a a writer, a, a podcaster, a public speaker. And so I work with words, trying to group them together to shape them into something this way or that. But sometimes words just come to me. Nearly every morning, for example, in those few moments between sleep and wakefulness, It's usually words that come into my consciousness before anything else does. Words that shape themselves into ideas, memories, inspirations, some amazing, some insightful, some mysterious, and some even hilarious. It's as though some inner commentator is speaking whose voice can only be heard or best be heard by me when I'm in that brief liminal space between waking and sleeping. I pay attention, too, because these morning time words or phrases of words seem to come from something that has a larger viewpoint. These morning words point toward something more holistic and all-encompassing that I would otherwise have in my limited surface awareness, in my ego consciousness that as soon as I'm fully awake will be captured and tossed about by outward things. So I wanted to tell you that one morning this past week, the words that I awakened with were chaos theory. (laughs) Wow, I thought groggily. As I came fully awake, that's heavy for starting the morning with. I know a little, very little, really, about chaos theory, a theory of mathematics, I think, that has ramifications for all sorts of things. I think the theory goes something like this. Take a system, any kind of system, large or small, 
that is operating in a functional order. And then if there's a lot of increasing complexity, the order in the system becomes strained, things come to a breaking point when there is one more bit of complexity, one more perturbance or disturbance of the order that sends the whole system into chaos with order disintegrating. In this chaos, there is an apparently meaningless chance, randomness with little or no functional order. And then, somewhat mysteriously and and suddenly, there is the emergence of a new order, an unexpected new configuration that can and does contain a higher order of complexity. I think that's right. I think that's what chaos theory is about. Some of you can correct me if I got it all wrong, but that's what I have understood it to mean. So that morning this week when I awakened with those words chaos theory, I knew it had to do with my own internal processing about the recent chaos and violent perturbances in our national and cultural life. I mulled over that later on my morning walk as I went by the ant town at Earth Springs. People often used ant colonies to explain chaos theory. You may recall that I recently made a little video about the ant town at Earth Springs. It's posted on the One and All Wisdom website. That video shows a long, long trail of ants carrying things, leaves, twigs, some things bigger than the ants themselves, things necessary for the life of the whole communal ant town. All these ants bustling along in orderly fashion down this long, long trail they've created. And there's also a whole long line of ants going in the opposite direction on the same trail out from the town, And these ants help each other over obstacles. They move things out of the way. And they're not interfering with the incoming ants they are meeting moving in an opposite direction. They're all collaborating and gathering things to bring back for use by the whole complex ant town system. (laughs) Amazing. But what child has not stood momentarily in wonder at all this and then decided to see what happens when this whole marching ant orderliness is disrupted using a foot or a stick or water or whatever is at hand? They break up a portion of the long pathway or trails that the ants have made. Here's what happens. There is immediate chaos. The ants scatter, moving frantically in all directions escaping randomly here and there. But whether sent into such chaos by a bothersome child, by flooding rain, or the chaos of a lawnmower riding back and forth over their trails, or by the interference of animals that are digging around, the ants will establish soon a new and perhaps better system of orderliness and again be about their business, but in a new way. There's scientific reasons ants can do this, of course, having to do with pheromones and stuff. But whatever it is, commentators explaining chaos theory seem to like to remark about how this has to do with 
bringing a new order after a dramatic disturbance of the normal routine way of being. The disturbing events in our national life lately have been for me, as for others, a dramatic challenge to my normal routine. And so, standing there, looking at the ant town, I wondered, will we humans be able to do what the ants do? Will a new orderliness that is better for us emerge, able to accommodate all the increasing complexity of our national life, to include more and better liberty or justice? Or will something else emerge, something unexpected, perhaps not desirable, from the perspective of freedom and democracy? Or will things simply revert back, more or less, to the way they were before? That seems likely, but I wonder. I've been thinking about that all week. Then, yesterday, awakening, I had more words, amazingly, to inform my awareness about all this. This time, there was a repetition of words I had once heard my stepfather use, when I was a child. We'll build our house here, he had said. I woke up with those words in my head yesterday, astonished to have those words brought back to me again. Those words were from an actual memory. I got the memory wholesale in a flash in my early morning awakening, but to share its meaning with you, I must tell you its story what the memory's about, because it turns out to be very meaningful in relation to what I'm speaking about, chaos theory and all. When I was eight years old, my new stepfather and I stood side by side at the edge of a narrow, sandy road in East Texas, looking into the dense woods at a place bordered on one side by a little stream in the edge of which a whole bunch of Louisiana iris plants were blooming with a swath of purple color. On the other side of where we stood were miles and miles of pine timberland. Right here, my stepfather said, on this ten acres is where we'll build our house. He had bought this land with some of the money he'd earned from serving in the Second World War. But, he said to me, First, we'll have to clear things out, cut some trees, get rid of all this underbrush and all these vines, get the ground cleared and leveled and ready for us to build. Do you want to help? Yes, of course I did. And day after day, my little girl self did help, picking up what I could carry of the brush or tree limbs or other debris my stepfather was cutting down. We all worked hard, my stepfather and his four brothers and others. And sure enough, a clearing emerged. A modest house was built, board by board. And a smokehouse and a barn and an outhouse were put in place. A shallow well was dug and a red-handled hand pump provided us with water. A garden was planted and harvested after a chain-link fence was built around the place to keep out the wild animals, wild boars and Brahma bulls and other animals that ranged freely in the woods in those days. 
Electricity would come in time, and years would pass, with my stepfather, my mother, my little sister, and I living there in that place. Eventually, life being what it was, I would move away to go to college, the first in my family to do so. And then I would move to another state and start a family of my own. But always I would return to that home place. And then in time, my stepfather and later my mother would both die. My nephew tore down the old house and barns and everything was cleared away as he was intending to build a new house there for his new family until, tragically, he too died in an auto accident. And so it was that in the whole family's grief over his death, the land where our family's home had been was left as it was, just an open space, except for a few of the flowering trees and fruit trees and one or two old sheds. None of us could deal with it right then. I didn't go back there for, oh, maybe 10 or 15 years. One day, though, finally, my older daughter and I went to visit the old home place. We drove down the same familiar, narrow, sandy road, and I saw the same little stream that bordered the ten acres, though the, the lilies weren't blooming right then. I stopped the car and got out. I knew, of course, that the house would not be there, but suddenly, as I looked, I realized there was not even a clearing there anymore. The forest had grown back. The clearing was gone, covered over by new growth of young pine timber and yopon and grapevine and green briars and all the rest of East Texas' natural thicket of a landscape. In other words, it looked much as it had all those years ago when my stepfather and I had stood there and he had announced his intention to build a house there. Our family had lived there, made big changes in the ecosystem, established our own sense of order there in the wild woods. We had come and gone, but the land reestablished itself. After some searching, my daughter and I were able to locate the old chain-link fence that was still standing, though it was overgrown with young trees and tangled briars and yellow jasmine and vines and other things. But otherwise, the woods had simply created a new forest there, having been disturbed by us humans for a generation. I felt many things, many ways that day, looking at those woods. Because I was there with this daughter, I also thought of another time when this daughter and I had been together when she was young, and we had stood in a part of the great petrified forest, of Arizona. Back then we'd been looking at some ancient petrified logs that had once ages ago been part of a great primeval forest in this very place that was now mostly a desert landscape. I thought about the vast expanse of time in which such changes had occurred, and I had wondered back then if perhaps one day there would again be another forest there, if perhaps a new living forest would at some distant time in the future grow up there again in this place where now logs that had become petrified laid around here and there.
Things don't always regenerate, of course. Not easily, certainly. I remember another forest site I visited once, a mountainside in Colorado that had been clear-cut, every tree harvested, and the land left barren of timber and other things. I was there with a naturalist who reminded me that the rocky terrain of a dry mountain slope is very different from the moist and sandy soil of an East Texas forest that doesn't have to suffer from erosion and various other elements that mountainsides do. He told me that it would take many generations of human lives before that Colorado forest that had been clear-cut would grow back to its former state and that it would never be the same as it had been because of the erosion of the mountain slope in the meantime. So, which will it be in our nation's history? Will it be chaos theory's hopeful notion of the emergence of a higher level of complexity with a new order that is better? Or a slower but steady regeneration of what had been before? Or will it be a thorough erosion and dismantling of ideas like liberty, freedom, justice, and democracy that will not grow again for many generations or maybe never? What will be the fate of our culture, of our global world, of our climate, of our reality itself? The best scientific and philosophical minds have always offered elaborate formulas and arcane propositions to debate about all this. Lately, advancing string theories and systems theories, bringing about digital, medical, and other amazing revolutions. Some of these feel hopeful, others not so much. I so like the sound of a higher order of things, emerging from what is or appears to be chaos, though. So those morning time words I awakened with ultimately gave me hope and made me think that however we build our houses, in whatever 10 or 10,000 acres, fate happens, changes occur, but new life itself is ongoing even as some things or ideas petrify. Essences can and often do regenerate and renew themselves over time, even over long, painful periods of time. Meanwhile, mystics and even some simple folk among us find peace of mind without knowing the ultimate meaning of things. And they find a way to act in what they consider good order even amidst the myriad changes going on around them. Maybe that's what I'm to do, too. But I do know that I feel called to participate somehow in what's happening in my world and participate in my own small way in molding the future. I am elderly, and so... I feel more limited physically than I would have been years ago. But I do know that words matter. And so being a words person and being the sort of person that wakes up with reassuring words ringing in her consciousness, 
I'm doing whatever little good I can by sending you this podcast today. I trust in my many experiences that say that there is a larger force at work here, a force for long-term good, and I can be reassured by that. However fearful things may look now, or however barren or, or dreadful things might feel at other times, There is this also that we know. Life does regenerate itself, often in totally new ways. And chaos theory itself teaches us that the order that will emerge out of this present chaos can be of a higher order if we, like the ants whose pathway is disturbed, busy ourselves with doing our part to reestablish a better way forward to benefit the whole ant town that is our world, our town, our civilization, our idea of democracy and freedom and justice and and peace and, and well-being. I have no absolutes, no instructions, no wise revelations for you. I have only these few words, for whatever worth they may be, to encourage and comfort and inspire you to remember that as a recent song by a group called The Old Crow Medicine Show reminds us, we are all in this thing together. You'll find a link to to that song on the oneandallwisdom.com website on the page where this podcast appears. I hope you'll listen to it. And I hope you join me again next time on this podcast when I'll focus on something else. This is Glenda Taylor at the One and All Wisdom Podcast. (music) 